gentlemen welcome back to the woody allen retrospective right here on planettower.com i'm your host donald wonder and i'm joined as always with my co-host simon red wow okay we're right in the middle of it after some technical difficulties no nicknames no fucking around just straight up reviewing very professional today yeah we're gonna be very professional because guys as simon just said we had a lot of technical difficulties we actually already recorded this review but we gotta do it again and it's been a very bad week. So guys, I'll just quickly go through this. If you missed our last discussion, last time we actually spoke about Mighty Aphrodite. If you're watching on YouTube, I'll put a link on the screen so you can go there and click the, click the description, go back to those videos. We've got the website, WoodyAllenRetro.com, where all the previous discussions are. These are always spoiler discussions. Guys, today, we're going to cut to the goddamn chase. If you've been following us, you know we've been doing these Woody Allen reviews for God knows how long. We're continuing. And this time we're going to talk about one that, again, is a minor, not a film per se. This is a minor movie, TV movie Woody Allen took part in. And Sidestep. Yeah, sidestep. And Simon, just tell us what it's about, a brief summary, and then let us get into the goddamn review. Okay. Well, here we go again. Like I said, this is a sidestep because it's not directed by movie yet. Yeah. Movie Allen, Woody yeah. Allen. <laughs> and also, it's not for the big screen. It's another television movie. And similarly to, uh, what was it? Don't Drink the Water? That's it. It's also based on a play that was already adopted into a film. And this is sort of a, a remake, but also a readaptation of the play. I mean, you can decide if it's remaking the film or readapting the play. It's called The Sunshine Boys, which is a well-known title, well-known play, you know, moderate success as a movie it, it's sort of a an old school i would say classic you know not one of the big classics but certainly a, a decent enough film and there was something going on in the 90s where they kept remaking this stuff for television but i don't know i, I never thought they could capture the spirit of the originals and kind of this is where this movie leads into it sounds good on paper the director was uh john ehrman yeah and it stars woody allen the legendary peter falk sarah jessica parker and guess what? In the smaller roles, we have some pretty cool cameos from also very well-known, very talented actors. Go ahead and name them, Simon. Last time I was on your case about it, I just named them all. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah. Like, you guys missed it. But last night, uh, Don did this whole secret reveal show. Like, for, like, it took us 20 minutes just to get through all the damn cameos. And again, you didn't even have the names of the actors up. So that was another interesting little sidestep. Guess this whole week is full of sidestep. The movie's a sidestep. The technical difficulty is one. Anyway, the biggest one is uh, Whoopi Goldberg, who comes in late in the film. Also, for people who watch Better Call Saul, the kind of prequel to Breaking Bad, Michael McKean, who plays uh, Saul's brother, Chuck, he's in this. And also, your boy, who's... <laughs> it took us like an hour to find the correct name. For Lev Schreiber, yeah, the guy who's now doing Ray Donovan. He was in X-Men Origins Wolverine. He's a very... And he was in um, that movie with Michael Keaton, that uh, reporter movie about the pedophiles. I can't remember the name of it right now. Yes! 
spotlight. There you go. So again, he's one of those good actors that very good has been around for ages, but he's never really a leading man in anything that's continuously successful. Like he does his big movies. He was also in Soap with Angelina Jolie. He was one of the yeah. bad guys. Yeah, he does these big films, but he seems to stand out more in the lower budget indie scene. But nevertheless, very good actor. You know, not everybody's an action star, and I don't think he needs it. Even though every time he's an action movie, he can do it. But that's not what this movie is about. You know, we're derailing the topic because, yeah. once again, this film is quite straightforward and not that entertaining. The basic setup is that Woody Allen and Peter Falk are a comedic duo from the 60s. They were huge, but they had a falling out, haven't talked in nearly a decade or over a decade. Doesn't really matter because they're both old and grumpy, especially Peter Falk. You know, Woody Allen... Is the type of guy who has his setup, he has his family, but Peter Falk is all lonely. He's a grumpy old man. They try to get him work, and it doesn't really happen because he's impossible to work with. And Sarah Jessica Parker is technically his niece, so his uh, uh, deceased brother's daughter, if I remember correctly. And she's the one pushing him to kind of uh, get back into the game and trying to help him out with uh, new roles, commercials. And the big opportunity that comes up is a small part in a film but it's the best scene in the film that is specifically written for him and his old school comedic partner Woody Allen because somebody at Warner Brothers remembers their prime time and he doesn't want to do it because he's a fucking asshole <laughs> yeah that's it we've seen this before you know this is uh this is uh, this is almost like a subgenre of a movie there are so for two aspects there are plenty of movies even today that are centered around like Old school friends, like, you know, in at late age, 50s, 60s, getting back together. There's that one out now called Going In Style. There was Last Vegas. Usually, they have uh, Morgan Freeman in there. You mentioned that Stallone and De Niro one, on our last recording, the one that didn't get, the recording we didn't get to show people. Oh, yeah, that, that was the other, that I was leading up to it. So, you have these old friends getting together, and then you have the old rivals getting together. That's an, that's that's where the Stallone, De Niro movie, Grudge Match comes in. So, yeah. uh, again, it, it is what you expect. They hate each other, and the whole comedic drive of the film, that they just can't get along. And this isn't really bad. For the first 30 minutes. I thought the first 30 minutes is actually very funny. Yeah. The dialogue's funny. The character's chemistry works out well. And even though it's very odd to see Peter Falk be directed this way. Because Peter Falk is a great actor. And he could have easily played this character with more charm. Yeah. Or just closer to home. Kind of like it's a grumpy version of himself. But here he's going all out. He has a specific walk, mannerisms, even voice you know, does this uh, really annoying voice throughout the whole film. He really goes all out to portray this character at his worst. You know, if you look at other works from him in this era, even later episodes of Columbo, where he's older, he gives a more energetic performance. But here, no way. From the first scene to the last, he's consistently really, really, really annoying. And that hurts the film, because we're not going to go into as much details last time but the point is i think you were really annoyed how he treats sarah jessica parker and in return how sarah jessica parker just kind of sticks around and takes it you know because she's the she's that kind of relative who realizes okay this is a grumpy old man but i'm his only family mm -hmm. so i gotta stick by him well 
let me let me jump in here because again, I, okay. we're not going to go into too much detail with this one. But I will thank you for recording this again because, as you said, the last time we had this discussion about this TV movie, I did ramble along, and I was a, I wouldn't say I was incoherent, but I, this time I think I can deliver my problem with the movie a bit more. And to be honest with you, it's not just a problem with this particular movie; it's a problem with plays that are turned into movies because i always feel Here like we go. <laughs> yeah i'm not going to go on too long but i always feel like if you're going to turn a play into a movie you don't just do a direct adaptation of that in front of a camera i think you need to infuse a more interesting narrative and change it it needs to be an adaptation if you just put a camera in front of two guys acting for an hour and a half trust me i don't think i don't think you can hold it now there is some movies that are the exceptions to the rule but guess what this ain't one of them because just like you said after half an hour i just was like i've seen it all and peter fox character is so unlikable and it's not his fault as the actor he does really well all the actors is, is fine except for one which i'll get to in a minute but i just this needed to be more than just a play in front of a camera because after half an hour you've seen it the the camera work is average it's tv movie if woody allen did this I mean, Woody Allen did Don't Drink the Water, and I had more or less the same complaint, but comparing that to this, to be fair, there was a lot more going on in that movie than this one, even though, as you said before, which you didn't say now, there were some scenes outside, and they do go to the studio to shoot the little movie, and they do some things outside of the, the, the his apartment, so it is that, but honestly, the characters overall are just unlikable, and my main, the thing that really, I think I wouldn't be upset with this movie so much, is if it wasn't for Sarah Jessica, uh, Sarah Jessica Park always get her name mixed up it wasn't for her character annoying the hell out of me because I just don't think this is the woman that held Six in the City for how many years that was meant to be this six, fe- six, six years two movies is meant to be this embodiment of you know feminism and liberal sex and all this other shit and then in this movie she's not playing the damsel in distress she's just playing someone whose motivations are not written well at all she wants to help her uncle get this part for money no to help her because she's selfish? No, just because. And it's not enough because her uncle is a fucking asshole. He even says some shit to her where it's like, if you're going to, she needed to play a part. Like Woody Allen and Peter Falk are on this level. They're on an equal footing. The third billing is Sarah Jessica Parker and she's not bringing it. She's just basically, uncle, do the part. Uncle, do the part. Why are you doing the part? You're pissing me off. I'm like, if you're going to be so whiny and you're not on these guys' level, just take her out the movie. And guess what? Hey, I'm bitching about it. It wouldn't have bothered me so much. It's if at the end, Whoopi Goldberg didn't have a five-minute cameo, which was miles better than her performance. So I'm like, hey, man, why couldn't... But be- it's a better written character. Yeah, it is a better written character. But why isn't she on? Why isn't she in the movie for longer? Because her character would have made the movie a whole lot better. So I was just like, Sarah Jessica Parker was a waste. Whoopi Goldberg was in for five <laughs> minutes. She was better. And the Woody Allen and Peter Falk can't hold up the movie. And after half an hour, I just really had enough. And I think to add insult to injury, Peter Falk reminded me of my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Who is a grumpy... A lot of people have issues with watching their father, you know, on screen. And yeah. It's just too much. The actors are good. All of that is good. But honestly, this is just... It just needed to be more than the play. Because, hey, Simon, if you was watching this live... I might have enjoyed seeing them in person on the stage doing this for an hour and a half. We could have all spoken about it. We would have felt their aura. But I'm watching, a, I don't know, as a TV movie. I just think you need to do more. And I, I, I'm trying, I just think that's the problem I had with the movie. I just, I honestly just think it's very minimal. 
And um, if you guys ever heard this movie called The Sunset Limited with Samuel L. Jackson and Timothy Jones, this is a movie where these two guys are in a room and all they do is have a conversation. Very much like this movie and it's miles better because it's there's just the dialogue is a lot more interesting and it's not just an arsehole character and a kind of a middling character. But yeah, I'll, I'll say some more, but I'll let you just feed off what I just said there. Well, I know where you're coming from and I've been thinking about this actually, you know, we spoke about how Whoopi Goldberg's character could have been a nurse who's looking after Peter Falk the whole time because he's literally on his own and she's the one trying to get them back together so she shows initiative and goes after this opportunity and all that and that could have been better. That's one angle. I mean, I understand kind of what Sarah Jessica Parker is doing here because up until this point, you know, she was the girlfriend in every movie. I mean, one of her biggest roles early on was the girlfriend in Footloose. And yeah. then she was Nicolas Cage's girlfriend in, what was it? Um, I forgot that movie's name. Doesn't matter. It, it's the one where he sells his wife, I think. I'll put it on the screen if you're on YouTube. That will break the difference. It's the one where he jumps out of an airplane dressed as Elvis. That's the movie, but... I, I haven't even seen it, if that makes you feel any better. I haven't even seen it. Don't matter. Point is, here she gets to play a mom. She gets to play an agent. You know, a little bit more self-sufficient. Uh, and she gets to act with legends like Woody Allen and Peter Falk. So I think overall for her profile as an actress, it did okay. You know, it was something different. I think it it, it benefited her a little bit. Sure. But enough. in terms of her off-screen character, I really think they missed an opportunity because this is the exactly the type of movie where you would have needed the asshole boyfriend. You know, like a lot of movies really benefit from when you have a, such a strong personality like Peter Folks, right? In this film, like his characters. Yeah. And he's just mean to everybody. You really want an asshole in there that he can be mean to. Yeah. And you're rooting for him. Like, you know, if Sarah Jessica Parker was dating somebody and she was really trying to get this thing wor working as an agent. And first, you know, Peter Folk makes jokes about, I, you know, you're terrible. I would be better off by myself, all this. And you're like, oh, that's kind of mean. But when the asshole boyfriend comes in, and just starts making demands like, you know, I can't do everything. You need to look after yourself. You need to do it. Just putting pressure on her. If Peter Falk, you know, cranks it up a notch and just really puts him in his place, that would make it more even. That would be like, okay, he actually cares about her. You know, he's just grumpy on the outside, but he has a heart of gold. And he's smarter than you think. He actually knows what's going around. He's just playing around with people. But this movie's played ultra realistic. So there's no easy kind of... Uh, Redemption for anybody. Mm. Re says, like in real life, you just have people who get, as they get older, they get more more annoying. And that's it. They're stubborn as hell too. And they never admit they're wrong. So good luck. And that's it. Yeah. Even the ending of the film, nobody really gets proper closure. It's kind of a, again, a very realistic ending, an ultra realistic ending where you don't even get the closure you would get in real life from a conversation. It's just you get a scene where they're like, I uh, remember when we were younger, it wasn't so bad. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, and it, that's going to leave you with a not-so-happy-go-lucky feeling. Like, that guy's an arsehole. And not, you know what? Let me put, because I think we spoke about all the negatives. There's one shining positive, and ironically, it's Woody Allen himself. Woody Allen in this movie is absolutely fantastic. And I've said this in the previous movies. I'm just so surprised. At this point of his career, at his age, he's still showing so much energy and, you know... I know a lot of boss reading some of the reviews for this and they were like, Woody Allen is the only one that comes out of this movie unscathed. 
and he did rewrite the character because the kind of comedian he was, they kind of had to update it. And hey, man, I, I don't. I don't want to say it's a selfish thing. Woody Andrews made himself look good. Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, it just turned out that way because he's likable. And don't get me wrong, he did... The reason why Peter Fox upset with him is actually reasonable. He they, he put uh, entered their, their duo to Korea, you know, and that kind of pissed him off. And I was like, hey, I understand that. And for, for him to even hold a grudge, fair enough, because it did kind of ruin your life and all that stuff. But, you know, Woody Allen seems... His character just seems likable as the movie goes on, even though he kind of is. He did him wrong, but he's reasonable. He's trying. Even he's trying to, you know, leverage the guy. Like, I'm trying. There's a scene where he's coming to his house and he's like, you know, what is it? Don't say come in. Say, uh, he, he's meant to say come in to Woody Allen and he keeps on saying something the else. Enter. And the enter. And it's so bad. Stop spitting in my face. It is, it is you know what? It's effective in the way that Peter Falk is so upset to Woody Allen. It upsets you. And <laughs> that is a commit that's a commitment to the actors that they pull it off. And Woody Allen takes it and he, you know, he, he dishes it back sometimes as well. But yeah, Woody Allen does come off the best just because he's likable. And that's got nothing to do with the actors having the problem. It's just that Woody Allen to me and Whoopi Goldberg are the only two really likable characters in the movie. And hey. We're doing the Woody Allen retrospective, so I guess maybe we should just be happy for that. But, you know, it's a movie. And again, there's great actors in this movie. As we listed off in the beginning, everyone in this movie, like all the other Woody Allen movies or television movies or specials by proxy, they're cast so well, you're always getting a treat. And this time, I, it's not the actors that are the problem. It's just the writing. And again, television movie, do something more... But um, maybe I should blame the director because the director is known for doing adaptations. Not known to me. Well, he's, I'm just saying that's his, <laughs> that's his career. Go on IMDb, you will see his second top billing or his first top billing after this movie is he did a remake of a street a streetcar named Desire. That um, yeah, a streetcar named Desire, Marlon Brando. Yeah, exactly. The 1951 Marlon Brando movie. He remade it in uh, was it 1986 with a half decent cast: Trent Williams and. Um, Oh, the other guy, I can't remember. Either way, it was a, it's a television movie of a very popular movie, just like this one. And I watched it. It's actually pretty decent. But this really isn't Sunshine Boys. I don't know, man. I don't want to really... This is longer than it really should be. A lot of people haven't seen this movie. Would I recommend this movie? You said this, Simon, in the very beginning. Check out the first half an hour. Don't go out of your way. It's good for the comedy, the dialogue. But this will this will frustrate the hell out of you. These characters, especially Peter Falk, he will frustrate you. I was watching my dad on screen being an arsehole. <laughs> and it was it was too much for me. After half an hour, I, I lived this life. I don't need to see it on TV. But the uh, actors are not the problem. They did a really good job. But the characters, and you know, that's basically all i got to say. And the cinematography is very television it just you know it's just very it's a very passable movie if you're a diehard yeah. check it out otherwise it's a skip my ultimate opinion hasn't changed you know it's i said this originally as well you know listen to it have it on in the background i wouldn't say you know don't watch this movie because i think the first half an hour is quite entertaining and probably this would work better as a play over a podcast series <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah or something but after that, you can just have it in the background and do something else. It's a good movie for that. It's a good movie to kind of have in the background whilst you're getting on with your day, doing something else, cooking, whatever. You know, I mean, it's it's okay to listen to. It's just when you're concentrating on it 100%, 
the movie runs out of steam quick. I don't know exactly why it feels like they couldn't really readapt the dialogue for the 90s properly to keep it interesting and the jokes aren't as good and like you said the story is very one track minded with Peter Falk's character just not having even a single arc you know he's not changing he's just getting more and more annoying by doing the same stuff so again yeah it's a it's sort of it's sort of a a, a passive movie you know you know watch it in the background just to just to get it off the list, just to take the box, but not highly recommended, you know? Yeah, and again, you know, we got one of the only reviews for it on YouTube because who watches movie? There's not even a lot of reviews on Rotten Tomatoes IMDb. Speaking of which, if you look on the Rotten Tomatoes IMDb, this is another very low, not well-received offering, you know, IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes. I think on Rotten Tomatoes, they don't even have a score for it because not enough people have watched it, but on IMDb, it's kind of below fives and people expected more, but they love the acting, which again, want to be clear, actors are really good. It's just the characters and the writing, it needed to be really updated, adapted. It could have been more, but in a way, maybe it's fine for what it is. And that scene with Whoopi Goldberg, that one scene with her was really funny. I was like, that was a glimmer. That scene and the scene you mentioned when Woody Allen and Peter Falk are doing the movie, those two scenes are glimmers of the real potential this movie had. And it just annoyed me even more by getting to the end, seeing those two things and thinking, if you did more of this, this could have been a standout television movie. Yeah. I think we covered it, man. I mean, again, the most interesting thing about this movie is that it exists. You know, like, I haven't heard about this, you know, right before I watched it. And I was like, wow, all these actors did a movie together? Huh. We should just expect that from a Woody Allen movie television special by proxy because i'm telling you there isn't a woody allen movie that he really hasn't got a, a, a stellar cast next to him or maybe i'm wrong we're gonna find out guys and on that note i want to say simon thanks for you know doing this one again as painful as been the first time hey it's a it's a remake of our original review so there you go nah, i like what you did there that actually cheers me up and i have to say this is a much more streamlined version of our original recording which was a mess <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, guys, give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel if you listen on the podcast. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you on the next one on the Woody Allen retrospective for any other discussion we got here on Planet Tyrell.